0: I'm Ken Canera, and this is Beyond Consulting, the only podcast focused on your career, health, wealth, and life after consulting. This week, we welcome Jonathan Chumas to the studio. Jonathan is the founder and CEO of Wisha, a specialty coffee distribution company. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. You bet. So Jonathan, maybe we could just start off with a quick recap of how you got to become the founder and CEO of Wisha.
1: It's actually kind of an interesting story. As you mentioned, Wish is a, a specialty coffee distribution company, and I always kind of had an aspiration to be an entrepreneur. Like a lot of people in consulting, I, I took a little bit of a hiatus and did the grad school thing. And during my experience at grad school, I wanted to do something a little bit creative during the internship. I knew I was going back to consulting, so I thought, you know, I, I'm not going to do an internship here in consulting. And actually worked with an alum at my grad school to help him start a coffee company. It was a really fun experience. I bought you know, the green beans and helped find a machine to roast coffee with, designed the bags, did the cold call sales, and ultimately did the delivery of the coffee. And during that experience, I found that delivering coffee is not economical if you're just delivering six or 12 bags. There was no lack of demand for the coffee. It actually wasn't hard to sell in the grocery stores and there were certainly people that were interested in buying it, but the hurdle was the delivery. It didn't make economical sense to deliver the smaller amounts. Uh, so again, I thought to myself, if I was delivering 60 or 100 bags to each of these grocery stores, this would be a lot more economical. We kind of tabled the idea, went back to consulting for a few years, and then ultimately took a sabbatical and gave it a shot. Now on year seven of Wisha. That's the quick overview of how I got here, and I'm sure we'll go into a lot more detail here shortly.
0: Yeah, no, that is interesting. So that started actually as kind of like a college internship and has led to a career. If you could just go back to, you decide to do consulting instead of going right into the business that you've now started and kind of run. Why did you go to Deloitte?
1: I went to Deloitte right out of undergrad and I had a couple of opportunities and it was either going into consulting in the services side of things or going into the industry I had an offer from a couple of industry players, and in hindsight, those companies have become like, insanely big and and, uh, probably would have been really beneficial with stock options or whatever it is. But what excited me about consulting was a living in a big city versus kind of like down in Silicon Valley. I I liked the idea of coming out of undergrad and going into a big city. And then, of course, the travel, the offer just in the job and the lifestyle just sounded a little bit more sexy than the cubicle thing. So for me, it was all about like the lifestyle. That's really what led me to consulting. The idea of being on the road, travel, being in hotels, I was excited about that.
0: Absolutely. I can appreciate that. Actually, from even a young age, I knew that I wanted to get into consulting only because I thought it was cool that you got to travel every week. Little did I know that would become a complaint of mine (laughs) after doing it too many years. You were at Deloitte for a decent amount of time, right? It looks like, if I'm not mistaken, almost five years, maybe even six.
1: Yeah, so I did undergrad and then I went to Deloitte for three years and then I did two years at grad school. and Then I came back after grad school for another, I think, two years, maybe two and a half. So yeah, almost six years. What kind of projects did you do when you were at Deloitte? All kinds of different projects. The ones that stand out the most are probably the ones where I was helping out with technology implementations, mostly because they were a lot longer than kind of like the shorter stints. So anything from like, you know, like an SAP or Oracle implementation to more strategy stuff. So some shorter term strategy projects that I found to be more attractive for me, but less like secure when it comes to like ratings and utilization than the technology projects, which you get locked in
0: on for a year or two. Sure, that makes sense. So then at a certain point, you decide, you know what, I'm going to go for this idea. I'm going to revisit what I had thought about, call it six, seven years ago. How did you make the transition to founding Wisha?
1: To be clear, the idea came during grad school. So I had already spent time at Deloitte when the idea came. So three years after being at Deloitte and being on a variety of a lot of like shorter term projects that were more strategy oriented and focused primarily on the supply chain stuff, I was able to correlate my experience with this coffee company that I was working with and helping build and sourcing the green beans and everything. I was able to correlate that with my experience at Deloitte. And I thought to myself that I'm going to go back to Deloitte for the next two years and really focus heavily on supply chain stuff to the extent that I can. You know, sometimes things things are just out of your control. So during those next two years, I did a lot on the supply chain. I did a lot across the board and just always had this idea in the back of my mind. Now, to be completely honest, I had like a thousand different ideas. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, so I was dabbling in all kinds of stuff while on the road. At the end of the day, the coffee thing was just kind of stuck with me. So two years later, that's when you kind of qualify for a sabbatical with Deloitte based on a couple of things. I don't even know if the sabbatical program s- still exists, but I hit the two-year mark It happened to align perfectly with me also getting married. I think I got married and then took a sabbatical like a month later. So I went back to work for like four weeks and then took a sabbatical and I was going to go on the honeymoon during the sabbatical. But on day like three or four of the sabbatical, I gave selling coffee a shot and I went to just a a local grocery store and I said, hey, I can offer you a variety of different coffees. I'm going to go talk to all these different great roasters in the area and I can be a one-stop shop for you. And sure enough, that like first cold call, I didn't even have a business. Like It was just a thought. They said, absolutely, we'll take everything you have. So I literally just had samples in the trunk of my car and just delivered them into the store and didn't have an invoice. I basically dropped the coffee off and said, yeah, I'll email you the invoice, (laughs) scrambled home, put together a quick Wix or yeah, I think it was a Wix website, (laughs) came up with you know, the name of the company and blasted over an invoice that I created on Microsoft Word and, you know, shoot together the email, everything. It was just like all kind of slapstick the same day and just thought, you know, I'm onto something. If the first grocery store I go to wants to buy a bunch of different craft coffee, I think we we have something here. So that's kind of how it got started. That's
0: sabbatical. <laughs> that's great. You either somehow found the exception to the rule or you were onto something and clearly it was the latter. That's a great kind of founding story. Why is there kind of such an opportunity for a business like yours in terms of specialty coffee distribution?
1: We could have a, a two-hour podcast on just coffee by itself. Really, the reason is co- coffee's been undergoing a change. and I think a lot of consultants listening would agree that coffee is like a pivotal part of the daily routine, but not crappy coffee, like good coffee. And so you can find good coffee in cafes throughout the country. But at grocery stores, there was a very limited selection. It's usually like your Starbucks and You know, I don't want to sit here and downplay any Starbucks, but it's not like the local stuff. It was normally Starbucks, like Folgers, Maxwell House, maybe a White Label Coffee, something like that. If there wasn't any local offerings, people want to have good coffee at home just as much as they want to have it from a cafe. And grocery stores wanted to provide it. So traditional distribution methods were very focused on mass grocery items, like palletized items, huge boatloads of prepackaged products. There wasn't a solution to take handcrafted coffee and deliver it to grocery stores. A, there's a growing demand for craft coffee at home. B, there's not a solution in place to get it to grocery stores. So it's kind of the impetus for Wish It Right There.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I personally go to the grocery store every week or well, every couple of weeks, I should say, and look for one specific type of stumped down coffee and nine out of 10 times they have it. But the reason I stock up is for that exact reason is they don't always have it because I'm looking for a specific blend and it's not as easy to get as you'd think it would be in 2022. So I definitely see the business opportunity there. Okay. So then you have that first order and where do you kind of go from there? What was the next big step for you?
1: My sabbatical was six months. And so I had six months less time set aside for a honeymoon, which of course was even higher priority for (laughs) my wife, but six months to go out and kind of shotgun and sell. And so I was kind of like given this internal timeline and said, like, if I can work this business up to be sustainable within the next six months, such that I can live off of it then I will continue with it. If I cannot, then I will go back to my consulting career. So I gave myself that timeline and just shotgun through the next six months. I went to all these like local independent grocery stores, was very frank with them, said like, this is just, you know, a new business I'm trying to start, like throw me a bone. It seemed to work. I got into a couple of like local retail chains, like six or seven store independents. Yeah. Chains that have like six or seven stores, you know. And then ultimately, like I knocked on the door of one of the big box stores. She said one of the big like grocery box store, big grocery chains in the area. Really just went into it. Asked the local clerk if they'd be interested in local coffee. And of course, they're interested in local. And say so they support local. Got over to the headquarters. Ended up getting a meeting with at headquarters. And they say, well, cool. Can you deliver to all 200 stores? Oh, wow. And, you know, with like the best poker face I've ever had, I said, absolutely. When do you want me to start? (laughs) Little do they know, like, I'm just like delivering coffee out of the car that I showed up at this meeting with. So it was a a little bit of a hustle there. And they're like, yeah, in a couple months. So then I had like a couple months to kind of really throw things together and was kind of on this path of, you know, I'm probably not going to go back to consulting. It sounds like I've got something
0: going here. Wow, that's incredible. Especially because, like, if you think about a lot of folks that try to start a business, the first six, 12 months is like just getting the proof of market concept out there, right? A lot of changes, iterations, right? Like the original intent or service of the business that started can significantly change. So, what a story to start. And then, what's been like the biggest surprise as being part of this industry been for you? I got a little bit lucky with coffee, to be honest. Okay.
1: I don't know why, you know, other than like the experience I had in grad school with somebody wanting to start a coffee company, I could have easily like gone down any product category in the grocery store, but I ended up having a passion for coffee. And so, kind of, have been able to ride the coattails of the coffee growth. I think that if I would have gone into the industry with any other type of category, it wouldn't have worked. So, it's been surprising to see the support that the coffee industry has provided this business. It was a little bit of luck. So, coffee's like going through the, the evolutionary change transitioning from a commodity to a specialty item. And Wisha happens to be here alongside
0: of that transition and is
1: obviously fully supporting that transition. It's been a special ride and a
0: surprise. That's great. I mean, obviously, luck is part of it. Timing is part of it. But I also want to recognize the fact that you're willing to put yourself out there and go knock on doors and pull up and shoot when, you know, that takes a lot more courage, probably than most of our listeners realize. Because as consultants, we and I've talked about this on other episodes, it's like, we're really smart at figuring out all the reasons things are going to fail. Let me tell you all the reasons why it's not a good idea for Jonathan to just walk up to the first grocery store and (laughs) and say, I can get you the specialty coffee you need, right? So I commend you for your efforts and I guess guts there.
1: Well, it's funny because as a consultant, you're also the expert in the room, right? (laughs) (laughs) And So you learn how to kind of pretend to be an expert. There was a lot of that when I would go into grocery stores and talk about how much I knew about coffee when the reality was like I had roasted coffee, but I didn't like grow up as a barista or anything.
0: Yeah. What about your team? What does the business look like now after seven years?
1: We started in the San Francisco Bay Area. We've expanded operations to service almost every grocery store in Northern California, as well as Southern California, Texas, and Colorado. We service over a thousand grocery stores. We have about 60 employees or service reps that are out there servicing those grocery stores. We went from NorCal to SoCal, and then we launched in Texas. And in 2021, we launched in the Rocky Mountains. Those regions are still growing. They're still very much expansion regions but so is coffee there. So coffee's always been a little bit of a regional thing. You never know in which region you're entering into the maturity level of the coffee industry and how much they've switched over to craft versus sticking with kind of your commodity stuff.
0: And what is, in your view, other than delivering the coffee, but are there other ingredients to kind of like your success with the grocery stores, for example? I would imagine it's not just getting the product, right? Absolutely.
1: So our services extend far beyond just providing coffee to grocery stores on both sides of the table there. So on the coffee roaster side, we're creating a path to market. So traditionally, roasters have to go talk to grocery stores and you kind of go through a lot of red tape to get into a place like Whole Foods or Safeway. While it's certainly possible and these stores are very supportive of the local companies, there's a lot of insurance and meetings and networking that has to get done to get into these places. Whereas with Wisha, you can get on the Wisha truck and you have access to all of the different stores. Now, on the grocery side, and this also correlates to the roasters, our value prop is multifaceted. First, we're a one-stop shop, so you don't have to worry about working with multiple vendors. Second, we curate. So we help grocery stores identify which coffees are going to sell the best at their different stores. There's varying different graphics, varying uh, consumer trends in different cities or states, counties or whatever it may be that may all be under the same grocery banner. So we allow them to offer different coffees in different stores based on what those demographics are. And that's unique to Wisha. That's not necessarily something other distribution companies do probably most importantly to both sides, is that we are innovating how coffee is being treated at a grocery store. So historically, coffee is a considered a grocery item, just like a, you know, a box of pasta or a bag of chips. It comes in a dry pallet in the back, and then it gets put on the shelf and is sitting there until somebody buys it. Well, that was yesterday. Today, coffee is a fresh item. Everyone's looking at roasted on dates, best buy dates. The fresher the coffee, the better it tastes. Coffee can very much be compared to baked goods in this sense, or cheeses, or dairy, in that its shelf life is going down, it's aging with every day that goes by, it needs to be merchandised the same way that bread needs to be merchandised. You have a bread delivery driver going into the grocery store, pulling old bread or stale bre- bread off the shelf, and putting fresh baked bread on the shelf. We do that exact same service for, for coffee. And so that allows grocery stores to maintain freshness, a high quality product, support local work with one vendor, so on and so forth.
0: That's incredible. I I didn't even think about all that when I buy my coffee, right? It gives me a whole new perspective, despite the fact that I do look for the roast date, right? I never thought of it in that context and quite a range of services that you provide, Could you talk to us a little bit about your team and how you think about leadership, just given that you went from a consulting environment where you're probably managing a few people on a project to, you know, leading what is now, it sounds like a 60 person plus company.
1: I will admit that some of the leadership team here are former consultants (laughs) and people that I've worked with, which is great. Um, You know, our team is structured very much like any other organization. You know, you have your business development, you have your finance, you have your operations. The thing that I've found to be most standout with former consultants, and the thing that I take away as one of the biggest quality of being a former consultant, especially at the leadership level, is the amount of work ethic and attention to detail that comes out of the career. We've hired leaders here that have come from very like well-renowned companies that weren't consulting companies. And they're incredibly talented and everything, bring a lot of qualitative additions to the team. And then there's also the consulting side, which comes and brings like these well-polished PowerPoint presentations and works all night to just get a couple of things done. So it's just important to see that well-roundedness, but to take away where the consulting career kind of stands out as the focus and attention detail as compared to some of the other qualitative aspects that come from elsewhere.
0: That's great. And it's funny you mentioned the former consultant thing. I mean, a lot of our team, as you can imagine, is also former consultants. And I I think there's a lot of parallels. I just always find it interesting kind of like going from that, call it project environment to kind of real world operations. And where do you think about where's the business heading and what does the future look like for Wisha?
1: I think that we're going to continue to expand geographically. There's a lot of continued growth in demand for craft coffee across the country. So our hope would be to expand these services to every major metropolitan area. It's seems very aspirational at this point, but also definitely something that we think that the market is going to demand. Um, so we've already kind of started the chatter with different stores and different roasters across the country. And, you know, the areas that we're not in, we're still seeing grocery store shelves being a little bit plain for lack of a better term. And there's opportunity for us to support the local economy there and the local roasters and getting them on the shelves. There's also outside of just geographical expansion, there's e-commerce and online trade and Uh, We do a little bit of that, like plug barista me here, (laughs) barista (laughs) which is our like online, you know, subscription service. So we offer such a a variety of coffees that usually you would only be able to get at your grocery store, but now you can get them just online. And there's a lot of platforms out there that stick to varying coffees, but uh, our kind of value prop is that we have so many different coffees we carry at grocery stores that you can sign up for a subscription with us and get a different coffee every single week for a couple of years, (laughs) and you would never get the same one, you know, unless you wanted to order it, whatever it may be. So this is a long-winded answer, but the summary of that is we want to be able to provide a local craft coffee to every major metropolitan area and every grocery store to support those local roasters, to support the coffee industry, and support the transition of coffee from commodity to craft. But we're not blind to the fact that a lot of uh, retail is transitioning to e-commerce, and so we're also setting up systems to support e-commerce fulfillment and things like that.
0: That's incredible. Well, best of luck to you on that. And the last thing I wanted to ask you about, just because I think our consultant listeners will find this interesting, and I'll probably pronounce the word incorrectly, but you're also a certified sommelier. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I am.
0: Is that how you pronounce it? By the way, I'm not.
1: You may have pronounced it better than I think it's supposed to be pronounced. The way you pronounce it sounded very elegant. S- sommelier,
0: so sommelier of wine. That's incredible. How did you get into that? Was it consulting? <laughs>
1: Maybe in part, there's a little bit I owe to consulting there. Some of the the nice dinners that you go out with clients and stuff and get a glass of wine. But really, I grew up close to wine country. There's a lot of restaurants in the area that look at the wine menu and real expensive wines. and You always kind of want one or feel guilty buying one. yet you still buy one because you just want to have some good wine but for me it was like I don't know anything about this wine I kind of feel the need or desire to, to get a nice bottle of wine when I'm at a nice dinner rather than like the cheapest bottle of wine maybe I should educate myself on this uh, that was really where I, like it all stemmed from was I wanted to know personally a little bit more now I could have probably just gone on to uh, wine folly and taught myself everything but I figured I'll, I'll go to the professional route, at the certification it's a fun thing to have and you know now I can walk into
0: places and say yeah I'm a I'm a wine sommelier here. It translates to coffee too. I'm like Yeah, yeah. no, I, that was, I was thinking like it was an interesting parallel given kind of the business that you've built. Well, very good. And then Jonathan just kind of like wanted to conclude with any advice that you'd have for folks that are either currently in consulting or have left consulting and maybe they're in a corporate strategy job and really thinking about trying to become an entrepreneur but haven't quite made the leap yet?
1: I would say do it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's easy to say... I still find myself in shock that the business that I've started has come to where it's at. And I remember sitting on the other side going like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, you know, I I took advantage of the sabbatical program and kind of had like an insurance policy there that I would have a job to go back to. So you can do it kind of on the side while you're working, but do it and don't underestimate yourself. The consulting background really is a almost like a boot camp into your professional career. Like fast tracks your ability to do quantitative analysis, PowerPoint presentations. By the way, PowerPoint presentations like I don't know, but I'm sure everyone realizes this, but for me it was an epiphany when I came out of consulting and was putting together PowerPoint presentations. I was like the PowerPoint presentations that I would put together would be like these well-polished ones and I compared them to other and I just thought everyone knew to put together a nice PowerPoint presentation. I didn't realize that this was like a skill set that I had learned. <laughs> <laughs> During consulting. And it goes a long ways. It goes, extends beyond just a presentation. I'm talking about like sales pitches. You get on PowerPoint, knock out like a, a sales deck and bring it to, you know, whatever meeting you're at. People look at it and see how well polished it is. They think you're the, the real deal. So A, do it, just really, really do it. If you're going to do it, go all in on it and don't underestimate your ability to do it, especially with the consulting career. You've been through a boot camp with consulting. We all know that it's a grind, but the reality is with the grind, you're learning so much that you don't realize other people haven't learned outside of consulting.
0: I love that advice, and and both pieces too. Especially on the second side, it's funny. Like you mentioned, okay, you've got this great skill set, and I would say it's almost like in certain settings, it's not the solution to everything. But you'd be surprised how far those things can go in terms of kind of separating you, right? So it's like, yes, a deck isn't going to operationalize a sixty-person sales and delivery team, but it is going to impress a potential buyer and really separate you. So great advice, Jonathan. And if our listeners want to learn a little bit more about Wisha or you mentioned Barista Me, could you just give us the website so that they can learn a little bit more?
1: Yeah. So Wisha is six letters. It's spelled W-H-I-S-H-A dot com. And on there, you'll see kind of like the wholesale coffee world and what we offer. Somewhere on there, you'll see a link to Barista Me. So Wisha is traditionally a B2B company. We sell it to grocery stores. Barista Me is our kind of a fun side project where we sell the coffee items via subscription service to direct to consumers. So that's barista, like a coffee barista. And that's me, but not M I. So it's like Italian, like give me coffee, I think is what it stands for. Barista Me,
0: B-A-R-I-S-T-A-M-I. Dot .com. We're well, good. You have a lot of discerning coffee drinkers that listen to this podcast. Definitely check that out, guys. You know, for those of you listening for the first time, please make sure to just subscribe either on Spotify or Apple so that you're notified of future episodes. Lastly, if you want to find transcripts to past episodes, you can always go to beyondconsulting.info. And finally, if you want to get in touch with me or anybody else at ECA, it's going to be eca-partners.com. Once again, we will talk to you next week when we interview yet another exciting and interesting person just like Jonathan. But until then, thanks so much for joining.